Okay. So, Song of Solomon six, uh, 8 verse 6, King James. Set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm. For love is, uh, is strong as death, jealousy is cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which have a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love. So love is, is like a flame that really burns. Okay? <laughs> and this love will, will consume things. Amplify it. Verse 5. Or do you suppose that the scripture is speaking to no purpose that says, The spirit whom he has caused to dwell in us yearns over us, and he yearns for the spirit to be welcome with a jealous love. So the spirit loves you with a jealousy. That jealousy is more cruel than the grave. That jealousy, that love burns like a vehement flame, like coals of fire that is being stirred. Okay, so God has a love for you that burns and that will consume anything that tries to influence you. It will consume and destroy anything that tries to keep you in bondage. That love is cruel towards anything that tries to put you out of fellowship with God. Okay, he has a jealous love. He does not want to share you with anyone. Okay. So God loves you. He is adamant. He will not let you go. Okay? <laughs> so if there's anything that you, if you kind of want to share God with some other stuff, God will destroy that other stuff. Okay? <laughs> so I've preached this before. I said, you know, um, out of Second Corinthians and out of James, he said, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. In Second Corinthians 10, he says, our weapons are not uh, carnal, but they are powerful for the pulling down of strongholds. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and philosophies and theories, and every proud and lofty thing that exalts itself over the true knowledge of God. So there's a weapon <laughs> that God uses to pull down strongholds, and those strongholds, are designed to keep you away in your, your your attention away from God. So God resists that proud and lofty thought. So whatever is not of God inside our lives, we have received His Spirit. The Spirit whom He has caused to dwell in us, loves us and yearns over us with a jealous love. Okay? So that Spirit resists every proud thing in us. He will destroy it in us, for us. <laughs> okay. Behold, they may gather together and stir up strife, but it is not from me. Whoever stirs up strife against you shall fall and surrender to you. Now, verse 16. Behold, I have created the smith who blows on the fire of coals. And he produces a weapon for its purpose. Okay, our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. And I have created the devastator to destroy. But no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. The, the King James does not say but. It just says no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. So God says, they stir up strife against you. But I love you with a love that is dangerous for your opponents. <laughs> I have created the smith that blows the coals of this fiery love. 
that will burn away everything that, that comes against us. Okay? Might be a little bit of a different perspective. First John chapter 3. Second part of verse 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that He might destroy the works of the devil. The Son of God was manifested for this purpose, that He might destroy the works of the devil. Back to Isaiah 54. Behold, verse 16, I have created the smith who blows on the fire of coals and who produces a weapon for its purpose. And I have created the devastator to destroy. For this purpose, the Son of God was made manifested, to destroy the works of the devil. So he makes a weapon. That weapon is not carnal, but mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. <laughs> okay, so... You shall establish yourself in righteousness, verse 14. You shall be far from even the thought of oppression and or destruction. For you shall not fear and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Behold, they may gather together and stir up strife, but it is not from me. Whoever stirs up strife against you shall fall and surrender to you. Now he says, why? Behold, I have created the smith who blows upon the coals and who produces a weapon for its purpose. And I have created the devastator to destroy. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Do you get it? So God's love is like a weapon. God's love is a fire that burns anything that tries to corrupt your life. And it will destroy it until there's nothing of it left. Okay? God's love will go very far. Will go beyond where you can think. To keep you safe and to destroy all the influences that's trying to corrupt your life. Okay? Alright? God's love. Verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ, even Jesus the Lord, so walk, regulate your lives and conduct yourselves in union with and conformity to Him. Have the roots of your being firmly and deeply planted in Him, fixed and founded in Him being continually built up in Him, becoming increasingly more confirmed and established in the faith, just as you were taught, and abounding and overflowing in it with thanksgiving. Okay, so we are being built up. Okay, just take note of that. See to it that no one carries you off as spoil, or makes you yourselves captive by a so-called philosophy and intellectualism and vain deceit. Idle fancies and plain nonsense. Following human tradition. So human tradition is not God's word. Okay, Men's ideas of the material rather than the spiritual world. Just crude notions following the rudimentary and elemental, elemental teachings of the universe. You know all the children of the universe the, and their teachings, the new age people. Okay, There goes that stuff as well. And disregarding the teachings of Christ. For in Him... The whole fullness of deity continues to dwell in bodily form, giving complete expression of the divine nature. So in Him, in Him, that's important, in Him. And you are in Him, <laughs> made full and having come to fullness of life. In Christ you too are filled with the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and reach full spiritual stature. And He is the head of all rule and authority, of every angelic principality and power. 
In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands, but in a spiritual circumcision performed by Christ by stripping off the body of the flesh, the whole corrupt carnal nature, with its passions and lusts. Okay. So there are those who reject the gospel. Okay. Let me just, let me just handle this first before we read this. There are those who do not believe in Jesus, who reject the gospel, who will not believe it even though it be told them. They are not saved. Even though God died, Jesus died for them, He loves them. His love is for them. But if they now come against what God is saying to try and destroy those who do receive the gospel, God will protect those who do receive the gospel, even if it means to destroy the others. Do you get what I'm saying? God loves you. God loves you who believe. They can believe any time and God will protect them. But God will not let the, corrupt, the corruption and the false teachings of others that can damage you, He will not let that come. He will... He will Drive away. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Okay, so in Mark chapter 3, there's, there's a scripture that has troubled a lot of people. It says, those who blas all blasphemies will be forgiven. But those who blaspheme against the Holy Spirit never have forgiveness. <laughs> With other words, for as long as they resist the the Word of God, the message of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. For as long as they resist the forgiveness, they don't have it. But the moment they receive it, they have it. Those who blaspheme, they never have forgiveness. Until they receive it. They never have it. Do you get it? As long as they resist. You can read Mark chapter 3 in the, in the King James. As long as they, as they resist, God will resist them. He resists the proud for the benefit of those who believe. <laughs> okay? But the moment we then believe. Okay, so remember Jesus, you know, he walked there with the Pharisees, and the Bible says, and the power of God was, was present to heal them all. But no one was healed. They would not. They kept on resisting him. They kept on going against him. Jesus cried. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I longed to gather you like a hen gathers her chickens. But you would not. <laughs> so, Daniel's prophecies. Daniel prophesied the end of Israel. The end of, of Jerusalem. And it was destroyed, 70 AD. All fulfilled. Okay? He prophesied the end of the world. The end of the Jewish world. He prophesied it and it ended. But there was a foundation laid of something new. The foundation which is Christ Jesus. So the old thing was destroyed. The temple was destroyed. All the old rituals and sacrifices were destroyed. The ark was destroyed, the Holy of Holies was destroyed, the nation Israel was destroyed, and they were scattered. Okay? It, it was destroyed. Fulfilled 70 AD. 
But when the gospel was preached by the apostles, a new foundation was laid for the new city, the heavenly Jerusalem, which is the church. Mount Zion. Okay, which is you. Okay, so they, the apostles, laid the foundation. Right? Okay, now, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 9, for we are fellow workmen with and for God. You are God's garden and vineyard and field under cultivation. You are God's building. According to the grace of God bestowed on me, like a skillful architect and master builder, I laid the foundation. And now another is building upon it. But let each be careful how he builds upon it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Okay? So that's the foundation. Jesus Christ. So if people now try and bring the works of the flesh with the gospel, it means they put like a wooden deck next to the foundation and they start building on that. Okay? <laughs> they try to bring another message so they make another foundation. Okay? But he said there's only one foundation. So now, when we preach now, we preach what Paul preached. If we preach something else, it's, we're bringing another message, which is another foundation. So, you know, the apostles laid the foundation. It's already laid. So now we just say what they said. So we are now preachers when we preach that message. We are not apostles when we preach that message. We are preachers when we preach that message. Because the foundation has already been laid. There's no new foundation being laid. All the apostles that's running around. Okay. Okay. Now listen, but if anyone builds upon the foundation, whether it be with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, the work of each one will become plainly openly known and shown for what it is. For the day of Christ will disclose and declare it because it will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test and critically appraise the character and worth of the work each person has done. If the work which any person has built on this foundation survives this test, he will get his reward. But if any person's work is burned up under this test, he will suffer the loss of it all, losing his reward, although he himself will be saved. But only as one who has passed through fire. Okay, let's, let's explain. The fire is the love of God. Now people build with wood, hay, and stubble. Wood, hay, and straw. With other words, the works of the flesh. They build the works of the flesh on the foundation. Oh, you poor, silly, senseless, thoughtless, unreflecting Galatians. Who has bewitched you? You who started in the Spirit. Are you now reaching perfection by dependence on the flesh? So that's what happened. They built with wood, hay, and straw on their foundation. So what did, you, what did Paul do? He came with a real message, with the Holy Spirit, with the love of God, the love 
resisted the wood and stubble and burned it up. Nothing left. Okay? The love will burn up the wrong doctrine. And it will bring the right one and it will then uh, replace the wood, hay and straw with gold, silver and precious stones. Gold, silver and precious stones will not be moved. Because the city, if we read in Revelation, is gold and, you know, it's precious stones and <laughs> it will not be moved. <laughs> All right. So, the love tests the doctrine. If the doctrine is judgment, the love will burn up the doctrine and nothing will be left. So the guy preaching the judgment will, will lose his reward that he thought he would get by preaching judgment. He will just suffer loss of all the work he has done by preaching judgment. The love comes. But you will be saved. He himself will be saved by that love. Do you get it? So it's not a terrible thing. It's just the love comes, destroys all things which are not truth, which put us in bondage. The guy's like, oh man, all the stuff I've preached all the years, just gone in one service, in one meeting. <laughs> and then people need to get to a choice. Am I going to take the word or not? Okay. So I take the love. Wow, thank you, Jesus. Up, everything I built up to that time, which was wood and stubble, gone. Which is actually a good thing. Because then now I don't have to try and get the stuff. It's just gone. God just take it away. And now from then on we just build with the truth. The gold, the silver, and the precious stones. So the love, how you know, the love melts the gold and molds it <laughs> to the right place. Okay? But now the love comes to build and now there's wood so it's just burned. Do you get it? The gold is like melted and molded into the right place, but the wood burnt up. The love is too strong for it. So if we build a doctrine based on the works of the flesh, the love of God will just destroy it. <laughs> okay, let's read on. If the work which any person has built on this foundation, any product of his, of his efforts whatsoever, survives this test, he will get his reward. But if the person's work is burned up on the test, he will suffer the loss of it, losing his reward, though he himself will be saved. But only as one who has passed through fire. So sometimes it's not enjoyable to lose all, you know, all your doctrines. But it's a good thing. <laughs> Do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church, are God's temple? His sanctuary. And that God's Spirit has His permanent dwelling in you. Remember what we read in Colossians 2. You are in Him. The fullness of God is in Him. And you are in Him. You are His temple. He is in you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwells in you. Permanent dwelling in you. To be at home in you, collectively as the church, also individually. Now, here comes the tough bit. If anyone does hurt to God's temple or corrupts it with false doctrines or destroys it, God will do hurt to him and bring him to the corruption of death and destroy him. For the temple of God is holy and that temple you are. Let no person deceive himself. My goodness, will God bring someone to death? Let me just put it this way. Why do people die? Wrong doctrines. Because the word of life will bring us life. 
Okay. Romans 8 verse 10. Though our bodies be dead by reason of sin and guilt, the Spirit is alive in us because of righteousness that He imputes to us. So if we understand and believe that we are righteous by the grace of God, by the blood of Jesus, the Spirit inside us is alive. Okay? Verse 11. And if the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus up from the dead now dwells in our mortal bodies, He will also restore to life and quicken our mortal bodies through the Spirit of God who dwells in us. We will not have that spirit of life if we don't have the doctrine of righteousness being imputed to us by grace. You don't have the spirit if you don't believe that. Everyone does not have the spirit. Those who believe has the spirit. And now, by fellowship with the spirit of life, life is being activated and being manifested. And our bodies are being made whole. Our bodies are being made, brought to life. So if we, have the, if we are building with gold, silver, and precious stones, if we are building on the right foundation, life will be manifested. The result is eternal life. If we build with wood and straw, it will be burnt up. The result, we just lose it. Okay? So all the, the, the result of those doctrines, God just says, no, 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 I reject those doctrines. Okay, so let me just explain something further. First Peter 1, verse 15. But as the one who called you is holy, you yourself also be holy in all your conduct and manner of living. He just declares it, be holy. For it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. God just says it, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Why? Because He's in us. And he's holy. Remember Hebrews 10 verse 10. By the offering of the flesh body of Jesus Christ once for all. He has made us holy. Verse 14. Those we have made holy is also forever completely cleansed and perfected. Alright. And if you call upon him as your father. Who judges each one impartially according to what he does. Then you should conduct yourself with true reverence throughout the time of your temporary residence on earth. Let's just read the King James. Temporary. If you call on the Father who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning in fear. For as much as you know that they were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. I like the Amplified there. You must know that you were redeemed, ransomed from the useless fruitless way of living inherited by tradition from your forefathers not with corruptible things such as silver or gold but you were purchased with the precious blood of christ like that of a sacrificial lamb without blemish or spot okay god judges impartially according to every work man people do See that in the context of 1 Corinthians 3. The love comes and tests the doctrines. Everything built on the foundation. If it's true, it will remain. If it's not true, it will be shaken. It will be burnt up. Okay? Because he says, yet once more, I will, bring, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens. 
so that that which will, will remain will remain, and that which can be shaken or removed will be shaken. And he says, yet, when he says once more, he indicates the final removal. So, wherefore we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be moved. Let us have grace. Whereby we can serve God acceptably. <laughs> For God is a consuming fire. Okay. Okay. So God tests the doctrines built on the foundation. Impartially. Okay? Now he says, You must know that you were redeemed from the useless, fruitless way of living inherited by tradition from your forefathers. You were purchased by the precious blood of Christ. Okay. Now, verse 22. Since by your obedience to the truth through the Holy Spirit, you have purified your hearts for the sincere affection of the brethren, see that you love one another fervently, from a pure heart. So he wants to cultivate this, he wants to stir up this fire in us that burns away the rubbish. <laughs> you have been regenerated, born again, not from a mortal origin or a seed or a sperm, but from one that is immortal by the ever living and lasting word of God. Okay. There's a mortal seed, there's an immortal seed. The mortal seed. We have been redeemed from it, from the useless, fruitless way of living which we inherited by tradition from our forefathers. Mortal seed. Immortal seed, ever living word of God. Okay? Unshakable. Okay? Now listen. Now it describes the flesh bit. Verse 24. For all flesh is like grass. And all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower drops off. So the grass is flesh. If we build with wood, hay and stubble which is grass, we are standing in the flesh. Okay. So we have a natural lifespan. That's why he says, he speaks about, about Past the time of your sojourning in fear. Verse 17, he says, This time that we have here on earth. This time that we have. This natural lifespan. This greenness of the grass. Spend this little time that the grass is green. Spend it well. <laughs> this window of opportunity. Buy out the time. Seize this message. Because all flesh is like grass. The flower of it drops off. Into it. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the good news which was preached to you. It's not anything. It's the good news. Okay. In other words, in this short greenness of the grass period, the grass needs to receive the incorruptible seed. And the word needs to be manifested in the grass before the grass withers so that the mortal body can be restored to life. Do you get it? So in the time of the natural lifespan, we need to spend this time wisely and have fellowship with the person Christ 
in the word of life. I preached the message at, at John Wasserman's church, Fellowship with Life. Okay, so to know that there is such a thing as immortality is good and it's beneficial. But the revelation is we need to have fellowship with Jesus Christ who is the resurrection and the life. So in fellowship with Him, the life is brought to manifestation. This word that endures forever needs to become flesh. John chapter 1. If we understand what it means to be born again, that little grass will not wither. The leaves of the tree will not wither. We'll go to Psalm 1 now. Okay. In the beginning before all time was the Word. <laughs> the Word was with God and the Word was God Himself. Verse 3. All things were made and came into existence stream. Verse 4. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. Okay, so this Word is incorruptible. It's immortal. It's ever enduring. And this word is the good news that was preached to us. So we kind of need to spend time with this word of life. Verse 11. He, the word, came to that which belonged to him, his own. And they who were his own did not receive him, did not welcome him, but to as many as did receive him. He gave the authority, the power, the privilege, the right to become children of God, that is, to those who believe in his name. Okay. Verse 12, King James. But as many as received him, the word. To them gave he power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh. If we realize we are born of God and this everlasting, ever-living word of God, which endures forever, now comes and dwells in our grassiness this word will restore to green this withering grassy do you get it if the same spirit this in him was life the life was a lot of me john 6 63 the flesh has no benefit but the words that i've been speaking to you are spirit and they are life <laughs> so now the flesh is as the grass but the grass the flesh is if the if that spirit is in it the spirit in us is alive because of righteousness that he imputes to us and now if that spirit is in us he will restore to life this fleshly mortal body second corinthians 4 says the life of Christ must first be made manifest in mortal flesh. Must be made manifest in mortal flesh. 2 Corinthians 4. Okay. The grass, which is flesh, needs the word inside it so that it does not wither and die. The glory of man is a fading glory. The flower, flowers, and then Matthew 6 says something. 
Consider the lilies of the field. They neither toil nor spin. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Speaking of human glory, fleshly glory. The gold and silver of Solomon, by which we were not bought, First Peter 1, we were bought by the precious blood. The glory of man, flower fades. You get it? He says, If God then so clothes the grass of the field, which today flowers and tomorrow is tossed into the furnace, will He not much rather clothe you, O ye of little faith? Isaiah, I think it's 61 verse 10, says He gives us a robe of righteousness. 64 verse 4 says He takes our filthy garments. You know? Even our, our righteousness are as filthy garments. 61 verse 10, He gives us a robe of righteousness. So He clothes the grass of the field. He clothes the flesh of man with Himself, with His glory. Galatians chapter 3. Verse 27, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, into spiritual union and communion with Christ, have put on and clothed yourselves with Christ. <laughs> ah, I love it. Colossians chapter 3. Did you get it? Let's start at verse 8. But now put away, rid yourselves completely of all these things, anger, rage, bad feeling toward others, Curses, slander, foul-mouthed abuse, and shameful utterances from your lips. Do not lie uh, to one another, for you have stripped off the old, unregenerate self with its evil practices. We have stripped it off. Our righteousness are as filthy rags. And have clothed yourselves with the new spiritual self, which is ever in the process of being renewed and remolded into a fuller and more perfect knowledge upon knowledge after the image and the likeness of Him who created you. So we clothe ourselves and clothe ourselves and clothe ourselves and clothe every day a new revelation of who Christ is in us. Remolded. So in other words, this window of opportunity we have, this natural life, the grass which just fades. Bloop. The more we live in fellowship with the word of life, new revelation upon revelation, clothed upon clothed, so that this grass gets stronger and stronger and doesn't fade away. The manifestation of the life becomes more when we have fellowship with Him who is the resurrection and the life. Do you get it? So we need to realize Christ is our life. Your blood, your life is not in the blood. Your life is in the Spirit. Jesus was crucified. He hung there on the cross. In John chapter 10, he says, No one can take my life. I lay it down voluntarily. So he was there on the cross. All the blood ran out of his body. There's no blood in his body, but he's still alive. I mean, they've been eating him, and he's been bleeding for, since the previous night. They've been torturing him, hitting him 
all the time. Carried even his own cross there. Who's there on the cross? No blood in him anymore. No one can take that. And then he said, Father, in your hands do I commit my spirit. His life was in the spirit. And he gave up the ghost. The spirit goes to the Father. Body, because there's nothing else to sustain the body. Blood is out. Body goes to the grave, soul goes to hell. Preaching, not suffering. He suffered on the cross. Okay? I'm not going to go into that. So, <laughs> he rose again. He appeared to the disciples at the seashore. If you read Luke, end of Luke. He said, get some fish. Let me eat some fish with you that you can see I'm not a ghost. But I'm flesh and bone. Not flesh and blood. Flesh and bone. Okay, I'm not going to go through the whole thing of Mary and touch me not and whatever. But this, he appeared in the upper room. He said, put your hands there, touch me. So you can believe. Flesh and bone. Not flesh and blood. Though your sins be red as scarlet, scarlet, they shall be white as wool. God wants to manifest His Spirit. He wants to manifest His glory so much in our bodies that the light of Christ, the glory of God, will be made manifest in our mortal bodies. That our life in reality and manifestation will not be in the blood but in the spirit. So, the Apostle John, who knew the love, which is the fire. They could not kill him. They put him in a boiling pot of oil and he didn't die. So they didn't know what to do with him, so they sent him to Patmos and they wrote the book of Revelation. When we know the love and experience the love and have fellowship with the love, it is impossible for any curse to attach itself to you. Okay? When we enter the rest and sit, seated with Christ in heavenly places on the throne, seated in a place of authority, all things are made, you know, is put underneath your feet. Not if you run around in the dust when you sit in the throne. All things are under your feet. First Corinthians 15, verse 26. The last enemy to be conquered is death. So death is something to be conquered. So it's not just, oh, I heard the message of immortality and wow, okay, now I'm immortal. I'm not putting you into effort. I'm saying there's a manifestation that follows the message. Yes. Hear and believe. That brings us to a place where the manifestation comes. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. The Word must become flesh. The life must be made manifest in mortal flesh. The words are spirit and life. 
the Spirit which raised Christ from the dead dwells in us and will restore to life our mortal bodies. So, we have some time to do it. But we need to really seek it and go for it. It does not come automatically. It comes by grace. By actively receiving grace. Romans 2 verse 7. To those who by patient persistence in well-doing, springing from piety, seek unseen but sure glory and honor, the eternal blessedness of immortality, he will give eternal life. But to those who are self-seeking and self-willed, you know, the Lord put your attention on self, and disobedient to the truth, but responsive to wickedness, there will be indignation and wrath. Okay, so why do people die? False doctrines brought, being brought to the temple, which is the body. <laughs> it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a shocker. We need to seek it. 2 Timothy 1. Verse 10. It is that purpose and grace which He now has made known and has fully disclosed and made real to us through the appearing, note the word appearing, of our Savior Christ Jesus, who annulled death and made it of no effect and brought life and immortality, immunity from eternal death, to light through the gospel. For the proclaiming of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and a preacher and apostle. That means this gospel is the foundation. If he was appointed an apostle for this message, it means this message is the foundation. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, so that whosoever believes on Him might not perish, but have eternal, everlasting life. Who gets the life? Those who seek it. <laughs> those who receive it, those who believe it. Okay? It's not automatic. It's not automatic. Immortality is not something to be smug about. Immortality is something to be grasped and to be holden. Something, it's like a lifeline. It's a hope that we have. It's like, wow, look at this treasure that God has given us. Let us grab this word and grab hold of it so that we can have hope. We cannot look to all the death and destruction around us and, and say, okay, this is what our future is going to be like. We need to grab hold of the truth and say, this is the truth of God. I don't care what happens to everyone around me. Thousands may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand. It shall not come near me. I believe this word. This word will become manifest, bring life in my body because these words are spirit. It will raise to life my mortal body. Colossians chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ to a new life, thus sharing His resurrection from the dead, aim at, seek the rich eternal treasures that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds and keep them set on what is above, the higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. Okay, so it says set your minds. Okay, so it, it will not happen automatically. We need to pay attention to the word 
and receive, actively receive the grace. Okay? For as far as this world is concerned, you have died. And your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in the splendor of His glory. Okay. He is our life. Our life is not in the blood. So Christ needs to appear in us. And when He appears, we will appear with Him in the splendor of His glory. The glory of man is like the flower of the cross. Fades. The glory of Moses is a fading glory. Glory of Christ is an abiding, ever increasing glory. Okay? When Christ, who is our life, appears in us, we will appear with him in the splendor of his glory. Verse 5. So kill, dead and deprive of power, the evil desire lurking in your members, those animal impulses, and all that is earthly in you that is employed in sin, sexual vice, impurity, sensual appetites, etc. All kinds of things. Okay. It is on account of these very things, these very sins, that the holy anger of God is ever coming upon the sons of disobedience. Do you get it again? God is a consuming fire. The fire burns up the straw. We who are born again cannot be burnt up. Our works can be burnt up, but we can be saved. Okay? But those who are not saved will just... So it is important for us to go and preach to them. So that they can hear and believe and be saved. Okay? Because God will not stand back for flesh. God will not stand back for flesh. So in this time of our life where the grass is green, let us grab hold of this word so that Christ can appear in us. According to the world, we have died. We don't care about our little flowers anymore. We have died. But now Christ is in us. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We are raised with Christ. Let us set our minds and keep them set on the things which are above. New real life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ appears, we will appear with Him. In the splendor of His glory, the abiding, ever-increasing glory in the face of Jesus. Okay. Verse 12. Clothe yourselves, therefore, as God's own chosen ones. His own picked representatives who are purified and holy and well-beloved by God Himself by putting on behavior marked by tender-hearted pity and mercy. There's the love again. Kind feeling, lowly opinion of yourselves, gentle ways and patience, which is tireless and long-suffering and has the power to endure whatever comes with good temper. Be gentle and forbearing with one another and if one has a the difference or grievance against another, readily pardoning each other, even as the Lord has freely forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, 
and enfold yourselves with a bond of perfectness which binds everything together completely in ideal harmony. And let, there, let the peace, the soul harmony which comes from Christ, rule and act as an umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds. That peaceful state to which as members of Christ's one body, which is the temple, you were also called to live. And be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. Let the word spoken by Christ have its home in your hearts and minds and dwell in you in all its riches. If the word dwells in us, in him was the, the life and the life was the light of men. That word will restore to life our mortal bodies. We need to live in fellowship with the Word of God. There is no immortality without relationship with Jesus Christ. With relationship with Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. Okay, so remember now Colossians 3 verse 4, when Christ shall appear, He will appear with Him. We will appear with Him in the splendor of His glory. Okay, so Psalm 102. When the Lord, verse 16, when the Lord builds up Zion, He will appear in His glory. <laughs> we are Zion. We are the building. Being built on the foundation of the apostles. Okay. <laughs> when the Lord builds up Zion, He will appear in His glory. <laughs> so, the doctrine built on the foundation in our lives needs to be gold, silver, precious stone. He will regard the plea of the destitute and will not despise their prayer. Let this be recorded for the generation yet unborn, that a people yet to be created shall praise the Lord. For he looked down from the height of his sanctuary, from heaven that the Lord behold the earth, to hear the sighing and groaning of the prisoner, to loose those who are appointed to death. Your appointment with death is cancelled the moment the word which, is, which endures forever abides in our hearts and comes to make his home in us. Your appointment with death is cancelled with the moment you believe. When we believe, this word will cause us to live and not die. It will cause the manifestation. So we, 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 the word we need to believe is this. I will not die but live. That is the word that needs to dwell in us that will bring the manifestation. I shall not die but live <laughs> and shall declare the works and recount the illustrious acts of the Lord. Now then he speaks of the cross. The Lord has chastened me sorely but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the temple gates of righteousness. I will enter through them and I will confess and praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The uncompromisingly righteous shall enter through it. I will confess and praise and give thanks to you. For you, will, uh, you have heard and answered me. You have become my salvation and deliverer. The stone which the builders rejected have become the chief cornerstone. Okay. Verse 25. Save now, we beseech you, O Lord. Send now prosperity, O Lord. We beseech you. And give to us success. So we will not live forever and then be poor. He will give to us prosperity. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, now in verse 18 he says, The Lord has chastened me sorely, but it's not given me over to death. Now in Acts chapter 13, Paul preaches about Jesus Christ, and he quotes David. And David says, You will not leave his soul to see corruption. You will not give him over to death. Okay? But then Paul said, but David did see death. So he must have spoken about Jesus, because Jesus was resurrected from the death. Okay, so he spoke of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and David prophesied it. Okay. And then he said in Acts chapter 13, after speaking of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he said, So let it be clearly known among you, brethren, Verse 38, Acts chapter 13. That through this man, forgiveness and removal of sins are now proclaimed to you. And that through him, you are justified from everything that you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. And given right standing with God. Okay? So take care. Lest it be said of you, which was spoken by the prophets. Look, you scoffers, scorner, scorners, marvel and vanish and perish away. Perish means to die. For I will do a work in your day, which you will not believe, even if it be told you. Okay? Habakkuk 1. Behold, ye among the heathen and regard, that's verse 5, and wonder marvelously, for I will, I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told you. It says a few things specifically for a specific group of people. Verse 12. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord. Thou hast ordained them for judgment. And, O mighty God, Thou hast established them for correction. Okay. Psalm 1. Now remember, God said to Joshua, Joshua, do not let this book of the Law depart from your eyes. Meditate in your mouth. Meditate upon it day and night. So you shall make your way prosperous. Okay. Psalms 1. Blessed is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down where the scornful and the mockers gather. Look, you scoffers and scorners, marvel and vanish and perish away, for I will do a deed in your days which you will not believe even if it be told you. So blessed is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down in the circle of the scornful. But his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord. In the new we can say the word of the Lord. And on his word, his, the precepts, is the original word, the precepts, the instructions, the teachings of God, he habitually meditates, ponders, studies, so it's a habit. Set your minds. 
keep them set of the things which are above. By day, by night. Joshua, do not let this book depart from your sight. By day and by night. Verse 3. And he shall be like a tree. Okay, wood, hay, and stubble tree. So your flesh will be like this. Firmly planted. Tended by the streams of water. Ready to bring forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not fade or wither. And everything he does shall prosper and come to maturity. Not so the wicked. They are like the chaff, worthless, dead, without substance, which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked, the disobedient ones, shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows and is fully acquainted with the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish and end in ruin. Okay. People who do not believe yet, you can just believe it. Then you are the righteous. It's so easy. <laughs> the only way we can have the life of Christ is when we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I just want to tell you, it's so easy. You can just believe it right now. It just means you need to realize and put your trust in this, that Jesus died for your sins. The message is your sins are forgiven. If you believe it, life comes to you. And you are saved. On this foundation of life, you can build and get revelation in the Word. And everything you do will prosper. There will be no judgment. Okay? I wanted this to be the last scripture, but God just gave me another one. Job chapter 33. Verse 24. Then God is gracious to him and says, Deliver him from going down into the pit. I have found a ransom. Then the man's flesh shall be restored. It becomes fresher and more tender than a child's. He returns to the days of his youth. He prays to God and he is favorable to him, so that he sees his face with joy, for God restores to him his righteousness. <laughs> he looks upon other men and sings out to them, I have sinned and perverted that which was right. It did not profit me, and he did not requite me according to my iniquity. God has redeemed my life from going down to the pit of destruction, and my life shall see a light. 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is deepest within me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not one of all His benefits, who forgives every one of all your iniquities, who heals each one of all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and corruption, who beautifies, dignifies, and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy, who satisfies your mouth with good, so that your youth renewed is like the eagles, strong, overcoming, soaring. The Lord executes righteousness and justice, not for me only, but for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways of righteousness and justice to Moses, His acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy 
and loving kindness. Verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father loves and pities his children, so the Lord loves and pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he earnestly remembers and imprints on his heart that we are dust. For as for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes, for the wind passes over it and it's gone. Its place shall know it no more. But the mercy and loving kindness of the Lord are from everlasting to everlasting upon those who reverently and worshipfully fully fear Him. And His righteousness is to His children's children. <laughs> That's the flesh, but His mercy. His word. He restores our flesh like that of a young child we return to the days of our youth restores our youth like that of an eagle it only happens with the word of life which dwells in us restored to life our mortal bodies this word will save us from going down into the pit this is reality people this is God's word we are so used to planning for the grass to fade and be cut off. <laughs> well, that's what we were trained for our lives. That's what we plan for. We, that's what we did, you know. Primary school, high school, university, some go to there, and then you must just scamper for a job so that you can work long and hard to get enough to not work and wait until you there's something greater there's something higher there's something higher than that God wants to restore our youth God wants to make our flesh fresher than a young child he has found a ransom <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I think the most important thing that will help us go forward and experience the word of life is no condemnation, your sins are forgiven. Forgiveness and removal of sins. You can see it in Psalm 103. Who forgives each one of all your iniquities. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our sins from us. The message kills the evil desire in you. And it brings forth the desire of the spirit in you. It restores to life your mortal body. Your love.